This is Namina's Mental Health Mavens, where each week we bring you guests from the mental health, addictions, and holistic care community to talk about different issues and treatment modalities. Now, guests' opinions are their own, and some content might be triggering. But at Nomina, we work with complex, treatment-resistant mental health and addictions, so we know the importance of making exceptional mental health accessible to everyone. And with that, today's guest is Nick Johnson, best-selling author of Executive Loneliness, who is here to talk to us about his five strategies for better executive mental health. Let's welcome Nick. All right, well, welcome, Nick. Where are you contacting us from? Because I know it's not here in North America. Well, thank you so much, Joanne. And it's actually good morning here in Singapore. It's 5 a.m. here. Beautiful morning. Okay, well, we are very excited to to chat with you. So why don't we start by getting to know you? Because I know that you have published a book and, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Well, Joanne, uh, my name is Nick. I was born in Sweden, but I'm an expat. I lived and worked across the world and uh, the last sort of 15 years in Southeast Asia and uh, now in Singapore. And here I'm working with senior executives in small confidential peer groups where we help them with the work-related challenges. But I'm outside of this, also a volunteer for many charities and organizations, including a suicide prevention agency here in Singapore, so in the mental health space is where I'm putting in a lot of hours outside of work. And that's why we wanted you to come on to the show and talk about senior executives and, and executive leaders and mental health, because I know we're seeing a lot of executives with mental health concerns that aren't necessarily talking about it and really struggling with it. Yes, and I can see it has compounding uh, during the recent pandemic when many people were working from home, isolating themselves and now trying to come back into the workplace, uh, what is perhaps exposed is many issues that popped up during these years working from home. Uh, I can see patterns of everything from people who perhaps start to become a day drinker because they work from home and now coming back into the offices again, these issues are exposed. So it's quite challenging out there. So it's great that you are covering this, Joanne. Why don't we start with some of the main trends that we're starting to see with executive leaders? Well, burnout was always there, but perhaps it's uh, uh, at a different level now. With so many many people working online, uh, we don't perhaps have that human touch which we used to have. And just constantly being in back-to-back meetings, getting the work done, have we perhaps lost a bit of that human touch uh, where you know we were more working together, discussing with each other, but also having that chat at the at the coffee break, going for lunch together, breaking the ice, perhaps saying the things that were unsaid during the lunch and clearing those topics. Now, when we're working back to back so much in meetings and especially then senior executives who are doing that, perhaps if you're at the senior level for many different time zones, it's very common that I hear people here in Singapore who are then running uh, APAC as a region. They are perhaps also covering New Zealand, Australia, which is then further down in another time zone, then they have the boss in the US in a different time zone. So that means that they have about 16 hours, uh, perhaps even 18 hours working days. Uh, and that is an issue. And that is, you know, rolling over during the work days. Then the weekend, they're just completely exhausted and knocked out. So that is an issue. And of course, not only for the people here in Singapore then, but also the people who are sitting in the US and, and leading these organizations where they have people in all different time zones. 
in the past, the difference might have been more travel. We met together a few times a year. We discussed the things. Now it's just ongoing all the time online. Well, and I know that a lot of that burnout can exacerbate alcoholism, underlying mental health issues. It just makes everything just that much more intense. Yes, it is indeed. And I mean, we all need a break sometime. Perhaps we've been pushing and working so hard and we might even feel that, well, I deserve that glass of wine after work. I worked hard and it's a lot of stresses and it's taking that edge off. Um, but one glass one night might easily, you know, turn into something that becomes a habit. And when it becomes a daily affair and a daily habit, then we train ourselves and we have that thinking that, well, it's good for me. I, I feel a bit relaxed. Make me sleep after that. And but then it can just becomes too much. And that is what we have seen for many executives. And it doesn't have to be just alcoholism. In fact, all kind of addictions have picked up and it can be everything from overeating to gambling uh, to other addictions as well. I know that um, a lot of myself included, like very tangible steps. <laughs> Do you have, what are your top tips for an executive who might be struggling? Well, uh, I wrote a book on the topic, uh, uh, Joanne, and, and in the book, actually, I I listed five steps which I think you should deal with if you perhaps uh, feel that you have some issues mentally. Uh, and the first step there was to take stock because just like a shop owner takes stock once a quarter or once a year, uh, how often do we actually look at our inventory, what's going on? And what I mean here by then taking stock is even with a pen and paper or a spreadsheet, writing down the issues. Uh, so when I went through a personal crisis in 2015 myself, that's uh, eventually three years later when I hit rock bottom, that's what I, I was asked to do. And there I wrote everything from, you know, overweight, drinking too much alcohol. Uh, many of the relationships were broken. There was all kind of issues that was included on my list. Yeah, they tend, it tends to go that way that, um, you know, it's never just one area of our life that's affected it. It tends to spread into multiple areas of our life. Yes, absolutely, Joanne. And if you have not been well, obviously there will be some relationships around you that you just couldn't maintain. You might have, you know, uh, been rude to people, snappy and saying things that you didn't mean to and you were not in a mental state also to repair that at that stage. So you mentioned take stock. I mean, without giving the book away, we are going to link the book in the description so that people can order it. But uh, take stock is one. What's another one? Yeah. So let me talk you through the five steps here. And we just covered indeed step one, taking stock. The second one. So once I had got that down on the list, it was about asking for help. So in my case, the most severe was my health. So I obviously needed to have, uh, I wanted to see a doctor. I needed to see a doctor, but I was too scared to see a doctor because I was scared what would be on the, on the blood results. I was scared that someone would see me going to the doctor. I was scared about, uh, you know, my company or my insurance seeing these results, but I needed to go through that. So seeing a doctor and being honest with the doctor about my condition was the first step here. And obviously after that, a lot of things followed. I needed to see uh, someone to help me losing 30 kilos of overweight. I had to address uh, the nutrition. I had to get a, a fitness coach and really get 
because I didn't walk or anything. I was just at home. I lost all my fitness. I could hardly walk one kilometer at this stage. So it was about asking for help at these uh, to, to address all the issues. Okay. Wow, that's quite a transformation. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm quite blessed I came out of it in 2018. Yeah, and not an easy one. It, it's not at all an easy journey to to go through that the health and fitness change like that. Yeah, and, and that's the, the third step was getting healthy. And I put that as one of the five cornerstones here and the steps because that was the first thing that I did. And I realized that that was the best thing because you cannot sort out anything else. You cannot sort out the relationships or issues at work or uh, finances or any other trouble before you are healthy. So it's about clearing your mind. And if you're caught yourself in, in addiction, you need help for that. So uh, for seeking help, then I had developed an alcohol addiction. And there's so much support there, everything from counselors to anonymous support groups, which don't charge money for this. Uh, so so I started to address all of these things early on. And the the comeback was quite quick. Already after a month, I started to feel positive. There was hope. I could see that uh, I was not the only one who suffered from this because as I asked for help, other people were there helping me. They explained I went through something like this three months ago, another person five years ago, 10 years ago. And I could see that they were happy. I could see that they were smiling. And I got a lot of hope from this. And I felt like if they can do this, I can do this too. And uh, now I find myself at that space. I'm almost five years into recovery where I'm there for the newcomers who are crashing now to, to give them some hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of executives have this idea of the 12-step community as a bunch of rubby dubbies. And there's actually meetings for executives. There's, and there's meetings for police officers and there's meetings for women. And there's, you know, you can find your, you can find your family. You can find your people in there. There's so many meetings everywhere, anytime, any place. So. Yes, absolutely. And it's a good combination. I mean, you, you probably need to see a doctor and you may need to get your fitness right and you need to do all these things. But just to get that sympathy uh, uh, by being in a group of people who've been there before and, to, and that is a wonderful place. And that's actually linked me to the step four, which is nurturing healthy relationships, because by sharing my story, by sharing how I felt in that safe space, the anonymous meetings, I started to get a lot of confidence in myself. And that's when I started to feel that I can actually tell this to my wife. I can talk to my parents about this. And these kind of issues were something that I never felt comfortable talking to them about before. Uh, and through this, actually, the next step was then nurturing healthy relationships because in my inventory list which i wrote there when i took stock uh, a lot of relationships i realized that i had damaged one was for example with my sister and i had to go back to her at this stage to make amends because if we want to move forward and get well we have to repair all these relationships so when we're thinking about the person it need to be a positive uh, experience and not uh, walking around with all this baggage. Well, and I truly believe that the five people closest to us are a direct reflection of who we are. And if my best friend is, is, um, you know, a narcissist business leader who's cheating on his wife and, you know, hurting people and 
I don't want to be like that person. That might not be the best person to have in my in my inner circle. I might want to search out somebody with what's more in line with my values and my integrity to have in my in my circle. Yes, absolutely. And and why not then start by forming these relationships uh, uh, based on honesty and, and in a safe place with people who actually you feel that they have what you have and uh, you can trust them. So I completely agree with you. And I had to change some of my friendships and perhaps the, the friends I made in the bar, uh, uh, they were, those relationships needed to change and they faded away to more healthy relationships where I'm a part of a running club or a, a, a swim academy or something more healthy. And uh, so we've covered one, two, did we do three? Yes, yes, we did. Three was getting healthy when I started to work out. And and step four was the relationships. And step five, and very important, is finding your purpose. And that is, I know this is a big one. And I know so many books, so many people are talking about it. But I think for myself, this was something that I, I thought, oh, ah, no, it's, it's not for me. It's not so important. But it really is. And that is, you know, to stop. And I think for many executives, it's about uh, deflating the ego and, you know, looking a little bit deeper in yourself. Is life only about elbowing your way to the up, getting the paycheck, getting the promotions, getting the awards? Uh, is that really who you are? But think about then, what about if you remove all those things? Who are you? And that's what I needed to look into. And that's where I am now. And that's why I decided then to write the book. And uh, because I thought, well, there must be someone who, who may be going through this journey that I've gone through. And since I found a way out, I wanted to share my story and be of service in helping other people to go through this journey themselves. So that's that's what I try to do now on a daily basis, uh, Joanne, to be of service and to help others who are struggling. And that is where I found my happiness. That's where I find I get out of myself. Uh, and uh, that's where I really, really am happy. You know, as a as a female executive, because I mean, it's not just males that that suffer this. I a couple of years ago left a position. Same thing. I took stock and and I've been very open on this channel that I'm a sober woman. And yeah, left a position that was very comfortable, paid me very well because it just didn't fit with me anymore. I didn't like who I was in that position and and just took a leap of faith. And now I get to work for the best organization ever <laughs> and do what I love to do and help promote mental health and, and love my job. And, and find I found purpose. I have really found purpose in what I do. And, and it, I know it's so important. Yes. No, I completely agree with you. And there's, there's some things that we need to put before work, before the career. And, 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 and if we can find that link and find the happiness in the things we do on a day to day basis, without having to uh, go through some challenges like an addiction in order to cope with it, it, life shouldn't really be about this coping. It should be, it should be a little bit more joy, joyful, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No. And the money, it's hard to believe, but the money is not really worth it. That's right. Okay. Mm. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, So again, we're going to link your book in the description and any con- and your contact was information as well if anyone wants to get a hold of you was there anything in closing anything that i missed no uh thank you so much for covering the topic joanne and 
Yeah, my, my book, I have a cover here. So, so it's called uh, Executive Loneliness and it's on Amazon. Uh, you can look it up on Amazon. But it's also an audible because many executives said, well, I, I like to go for a walk in the morning. I like to listen to it in the gym. It's not me who read it. It's a professional uh, uh, person who read it. So yeah, you can look it up there and follow me also through all these channels. So thanks again, Joanne. Well, no, thank you. It was a pleasure to meet you. 